It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can help the show financially by going to the blackandgoldhockeyblog.com website and clicking on either the Amazon.com or Fanatics.com banners to the right before shopping online. Now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show! Back in front door, shot, scores! Ray Bork. Scores! Ray Bork from the face-off circle to the right of Reggie Lindland. Fired it down and Whitmore blew it. Bounces down to Bergeron. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot over to Rossi. It's loose and Bergeron scores! Hey, everyone's fans, welcome back for episode 83 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast in partnership with Grandstand Sports Network. Uh, I am Mark, along with Court and Rob. How are you doing, guys? I'm good. I am good as well. Uh, an interesting, interesting week last <laughs> week. You were good as well, huh? I am. That's awesome. Well, so, I could be, I could be, oh, sorry. I'm, I have the flu, but you know, it is what it is. Oh, dude, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear that. It sucks. Yeah. It's not like I do anything anyways. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so the last week's games were interesting. Um, uh, a good win against the Detroit Red Wings and an even better win over the New York Rangers. Um, but every team has a has a a bad game and Buffalo was that last night. So I'm not going to harp too much on that. It happens. Um, but the, uh, the, the, the New York Rangers game was interesting to me, and, and Hudobin was in net. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hammer him or anything. I just want to point out a certain thing that I saw. And when Rick Nash scored the goal on him, he gave up. A, it, it was pretty bad. I mean, Nash is a great goal scorer and everything, but 
that was a bad goal. But what I really liked about that is the team responded to that and how they just ran over New York right after that goal. So, oh, yeah. I just think he just kind of went down a little early and kind of like opened himself up a little too much. I thought, you know, a little butterfly action there and, uh, and to stay, you know, arms close would have been a little better, but... Things happen. It's fast game. I understand, but I just like the way they responded. Yeah, they they seem to have been doing a really good a good job of responding to things like that this season. Um, it seems like they were doing a really good job when they were getting scored on first in games uh, a couple of weeks ago. They they were undefeated for a while whilst being scored on first, and then they just took it to a whole new level. Uh, the the defense got a lot more solid as it went along but like you said last game that's it's one hiccup in a long string of wins you can't really give abuse to the team over that yeah I just uh, I thought the Rangers game they played well um, you know the Rangers just they look lost they look like the Bruins of the last couple of years and uh, good on the GM for pretty much saying alright I'm blowing it up I don't care um I'm sure we all can say now, thank God we didn't get win the Jimmy Beasy sweepstakes, but uh, no offense to him, but sorry, bud. Uh, you, as, as Marshan said to him, you chose the wrong team. Um, but with regards to the Buffalo game, uh, it, you could literally boil it down to turnovers. It was, everybody was like, oh, they're not skating. I'm like, I didn't see that at all. I felt they skated. I just thought they tried to be um, pretty out there for no reason. Um, and didn't stick to the basics and tried to do um, that next pass, which was burning them, okay? You know, the first goal was the uh, Pasternak's pass. And then um, the other turnover was uh, McQuaid on the blue line. And you you can't fault Rask on that. First, Kane's goal was a, a nice goal. Like, he sniped that. And the third goal, once again, it was a, it's a three-on-one that was caused by a bad turnover. Second goal was a weird bounce, but maybe Tuca went down a little too early. But, you know, you can never really get into that one. Um, just, uh, they just didn't shoot. It was ah, just frustrating to watch. I just didn't understand the uh, the lack of shooting in that game. Yeah. Yeah, they, they just got held out on it, though. It wasn't like they weren't trying to. I think they did, they did a good job of blocking shots and keeping players away from the like dangerous areas. I think they just outworked us. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention when we started, I'm sorry, had a little, had some beers last night, so I'm off to a rough start. Um, I interviewed Jeremy Swayman, so please stay uh, tuned for that later on in the show and also had a a good friend, um, Jesse Jimenez, um, join me for uh, his his rant on um, the the uh, Boston media and lack of Bruins coverage in the radio. So uh, that ends the show, but we do have a bunch of topics that we got to talk about, but um, there's a game tonight on the road uh, against New Jersey. Uh, Tuesday, they, they are at home against Calgary and then they're off for a five game road trip um, starting in Vancouver on Saturday night. Uh, and ending in Buffalo on the 25th 
returning to the TD Garden on the 27th for a game against the Carolina Hurricanes. So it's going to be interesting how they respond from, from the Buffalo game tonight uh, against New Jersey. New Jersey's been a decent team. I haven't paid a ton of attention to them, but they are uh, they are in the wild card. So New Jersey's very good this year. Yeah, they're young, they're, they're fast. Yeah, they got a lot better. Um, you know, they did they did a lot of good things over the summer. Um, I mean, minor moves to to facilitate a, a competitive season. Nothing, nothing major, but. You know, the same thing with the Bruins right now. They didn't really do much over the summer either, and, and look where they are now. So, totally, I, I wouldn't have expected that if we were talking back in September. So, yeah. um, well, it seems like a, a lot of the league's been tipped on its head. I mean, Pittsburgh had a run of bad luck. Uh, there's quite a few teams this year that have had a run of bad luck and been outside of the playoffs looking in. So, it's been a weird one to start the year off, anyway. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so let's just get right into the topics. Uh, we do have a few, and we're also going to do a little bit of trade scenarios. Um, just nothing that nothing that we're breaking or anything like that. Just general conversation, see if it works or not. But um, I want to start off with um, Patrice Bergeron. We got to keep pumping this guy's tires, and. One of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up is last week I was listening to uh, Hockey Central, the podcast. Uh, Sportsnet puts that out. Um, it, yeah, it's a it's a TV show that they put onto a podcast. Yeah, and, and I'm lucky and, enough to get to watch it. Yeah, I, I I watch it when I'm home and um and obviously subscribe to the podcast. But you know, Doug McLean is all about the Bruins and. And Kiprios is on there, Millard, and blah, blah, blah. But they're all, as soon as, it was funny, as soon as somebody said Bergeron's last name, Kiprios just goes, MVP, MVP, and that's all he just kept saying. He just, I, his game is just crazy, crazy good this year. And he's, he's definitely on track to have career numbers uh, broken. Um, so, my my thing is 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 he? Do you guys think he's actually has a, a has a, a shot at um at heart trophy consideration? Yeah. the The guy has been in Claude Julien's defensive system for so long and proved how good he was at it, and now he's been put in an offensive uh, system with Cassidy. He's proving guys wrong that said that he's not a thirty goal scorer. He's not the guy that can put the team on his back and put points up. He, he's just been unreal. And that one-timer that he's got at the moment, that he just seems to be releasing every game, is, is crazy. He's letting it go when the puck's passed to him from, like, two foot away. He's managing to get off a one-timer and getting a hell of a lot of power behind it. He's by far my best sentiment in the NHL, if you want a guy that can do everything. I'd rather have him over a guy like Stan Coles, who's an offensive-minded guy, and I'd rather have him over some of the defensive-minded guys. I think he can do the best of both worlds on a consistent basis. He's amazing. Yeah, it's um, from the uh, even I obviously I wrote that article this week. Uh, Fantastic much saying, article, by the way. Pretty, pretty much saying Bergeron is. Uh, 
an MVP candidate, and he's he's my MVP just because they already have the Art Ross Wolf today um, for Kucherov, and it's and besides Sergey Fedorov, no two way forward has won the Selkie and and the MVP, and it's the MVP states it's the most valuable player to his team. Well. Is Kucherov the most valuable player to his team, or is Stamkos the most valuable player to Tampa? It's To me, I'd have to look at it different ways, because without Stamkos in the lineup, Tampa doesn't even barely make the playoffs. But when Stamkos is back now, all of a sudden Kucherov's having a season out of his out of his mind, and is it Stamkos? But you take Bergeron off the Boston Bruins, and they're nowhere. Right. That's just my opinion. Um, but also, when they interviewed Bergeron about it, they said, what is it like playing for Cassidy and stuff? He's like, he didn't say anything bad about Julian, but... He did say something that I that I caught. He said that uh, he lets us play. Yeah, yeah, and and, and that's... one one of the things that I really enjoyed about the article that you wrote. Um, you, you could, people can view that at uh, blackandgoldhockey.com. Um, was that they considering the Hart Trophy should not be a points based? Um, you know, you shouldn't gravitate gravitate to who's leading the league in points as a, as a category leader for uh, heart consideration. I just think that nowadays, I mean, people are really noticing Bergeron's two-way game and his offensive skills are also coming in, and he's having one of the better years in a Bruins uniform this season. So I think, you know, they should really consider looking beyond what you produce on the score sheet and, and how you are as an overall uh teammate you know even though it's an individual effort you know he you still looked at as a teammate and a leader so i i like the way it's going i mean there's a couple other people that you know you could you could say could get that too but it seems like it's very you know points based all the time yeah so but yeah that was a good read by the way i i really enjoyed that one um, it's always good to hear about the, the guys that you support the most. And Bergeron's just a class act, man. He's always been. Um, so, you know, even the guys on Hockey Central said that, you know, like a first ballot Hall of Famer. And oh, without I, a doubt. I'm not questioning that at all either. I mean, we've all seen him play and what he can do. So, um, he meant Chara. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not the biggest Shara fan, but I also understand the game, and I and I, I know that he fits well with this organization, and you know they all have common goals, even though he's he's you know above forty and on the downside of his career. But I mean, the past two seasons, it just seems like he's revitalized his his game and 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 playing like a young man. I mean, maybe maybe the insertion of young players is just what he needed, you know. Yeah, it take well. It's the defense getting a lot younger has taken the. It's well, it's not taking the minutes away from him, but I think it's taking the pressure away from him. He's he's able to do more, and he's got that leeway of something messing up because he has a younger guy with him. And I think when people look at him, the mistakes that are made often tend to go down to the younger guy being with him and saying that mistakes will happen when there's rookies about, but. He's done his job as a leader over the past few years when not making the playoffs and stuff. He's taught guys. That's the main thing that he's still here for. Mm. And he's him, all the leaders on the team, David Backus, 
Patrice Bergeron, uh, Chara, they're all putting the team on the back and trying to make this team succeed this year. And that's really good to look at. Yeah, the leadership core has been uh, been amazing, especially even when Marchand was out. Um, Chara kind of made his statement about uh, he's part of this team and it is what it is. <clears throat> you know, he, he he went to bat for everybody in this hockey club and it's awesome. Like, you know, a lot of people can say what they want. I, you know, I am a Chara supporter. Um, I think he's done a phenomenal job. Uh, and uh, he continues to impress. Every time anybody says, oh, he's done, he just ends up proving them all wrong. Um, it's, it's just crazy, the leadership group that they have. And when you look at it, you, they, you've got a leader on each line. Yeah. Um, speaking of leaders, uh, uh, how about David Pasternak and his, his recent point streak? Uh, I'm not sure if it was snapped last night. I didn't really dive into it. but um... I you keep talking, I'll let you know. Um, he's been really lighting it up a lot more often lately. I know that uh, before the the turn of the calendar year, he was kind of spotty here and there. might have been a, a stretch of 10, maybe 12 games that he didn't get a goal or a point. But uh, it just seems lately he's, he's really got a knack for the net, um, really focused on um, uh, creating things. And in passes and scoring, so that's except, good to see. Except last game, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Um, I thought he was one of those people that decided that uh, let's be fancy instead of uh, let's just uh, stick to the fundamentals. It was his giveaway that led to the goal on Kane. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say there was a there was a bunch of different plays, as you know. I would say there's plays that lead up to it. So yes, he did not get a, he did not register a point. So it was, it was nine games he was at, so okay. that was snap last game. All right, thank but you for it. He, he seemed to be trying to be fancy. And same, and I don't know what it is up with Marchand, but he seemed to um, be gripping his stick a little tight. Yeah. Because I understand we all watch the game, but you don't you don't give Evander Kane that, that, that goal. The momentum is not going to be swinging like it was. A lot of different things were going to happen, but, you know, Grizzly, he was so close to scoring. There were so many chances. It was just... For some reason, they tried to look fancy, and it didn't work out for them. Um, Austin Zarnik is reportedly, I was just air quoting the reportedly, it hasn't been official yet, but uh, there's a rumor that he was sent down to Providence, and before his 60th NHL game, which would have been tonight, um, and making him a, a waiver priority, so... Uh, I believe this is a good move uh, for the Bruins to do. Uh, it just, for me, it just proves that they are interested in keeping him around. Uh, and I think he's a very, very, very good depth player, uh, regardless of NHL experience. Um, I, even in Providence, he's a he's a organizational member that uh, is is a key. So. Uh, just by by doing that, it's not it's nothing bad about you know getting the motion like this. It's just he's going to get more time. Uh, just kind of proves that maybe Achari is going to be healthy enough to return tonight. Uh, not sure about that one, but um, like I said, it, it it might it might show a sign that the Bruins might want to extend him for another year by doing this. So I'm not sure. What what are your thoughts? Um, yeah. I, I think I think he's here to stay and I think I touched on it I think it was the last episode 
where my idea was he should stay in Providence because he's the best number one centre that they could have down there. Um, and I, I just think they're going to look to keep as many people as they can from this court, uh, this group for next year. Um, but with an eye to the future as well, because they've got to remember how many contracts they've got coming up for core members. So yeah, uh, I, th- I think they'll definitely try and keep hold of as many people as possible. But I think the ones that are the odd ones out, uh, guys like Nash, I think they want to go with the younger guys over the older guys, to be honest. Well, I, my, my whole thing on it, we talked about it earlier, Mark, in, in, during the day was they kind of had to. If they want to do any trades at this trade deadline, they had to decide um, to move Zarnik down. And unfortunately for him, barring injury, I don't see him coming back up this year. Barring injury, just solely based on the whole waiver eligibility, because once they bring him up, they can never send him back down. Right. And that's tough. The, the last thing you want to do is get in a, to another Malcolm Subban situation and everybody uh, chastise the GM for it. I doubt he wants to go through that situation again because as of right now, he would have to send someone down and you'd either give away Petrano, Corral, you'd have to choose who you're going to give away because if you're any team in the NHL and you want those guys, why would you give up anybody for them if you know you can just get them for free? Right. You know, the rumor the rumor out there is Petrano uh, uh, in, in Florida, but uh, we, we talked about it before. That's that's a draft pick. It's not It's not like we're getting anything back in return. Yeah, but but a guy like Petrano now more than ever needs to be moved. Yeah, I solely mean, based on the play of Austin Zarnick, another player in the last little bit that's gone above and beyond his, uh with regards to uh, the death chart. Yeah, you might as well just segue right into that. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a rumor that's saying that the Florida Panthers are interested in Petrano, and whether it's true or not is uh, remains to be seen, but. I, I just think that this player, Vitrano's a good skater. He's got good skills. He's just not making it happen in Boston. And I think for a, a, a future pro in this league, I think uh, another area, another team would benefit him more. Um, maybe get out of the whole limelight of uh, playing for your, your hometown team might spark something in his offensive skills that he's not doing in Boston at the current moment. And, and, it, and it, frankly, he's not really doing anything on the ninth floor by sitting there watching a lot of these games, too. Even though he has been involved more recently, I think that was due to the, the Marshan um, five-game suspension really got him involved in the lineup. But, um, yeah, if you can get a late-round pick for him, I mean, he wasn't a draft pick. He, we're not really losing much in him. Um, he was a free agent signing right out of college. So, uh, I... I just want to see him go and play somewhere else where he's going to get the time. Because right now, all these prospects that are down in Providence and and and, and could be drafted this summer are going to be pushing him out. And this is his last year, so something's got to be done. Yeah, it just seems like the death chart keeps uh, killing people. Yeah, casualties. Um, it happens. Yeah, and it, and it is what it is. And if you're looking, if you're Sweeney right now... Um, you're going to try everything to maybe move Petrano, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Like, I'm sure every trade rumor from everybody right now is like, yeah, we'll throw in Petrano and Bolesky and all that, but that's just not the reality. 
Um, you know, the rumor right now about uh, McDonough with, with Tampa, they're asking for Sergachev. And yeah. if you're the Rangers, why wouldn't you ask for Sergachev? You'd be stupid not to. I, I, there's no way in the world Tampa's going to make that deal, but that's who they're going to ask. It's just the way it is. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that every GM asks high and then you work your way from the highest point possible. It's it's like business. If someone want, if you want to sell something to someone, you're going to ask more than you want for it because then at least you know you're going to get what you wanted. So uh, the only guy that I see moving at the deadline, like you said, is Vitrano. And I think if they don't move him, he's going to go at free agency for nothing because he's not going to re-sign for a team where he's sat all season long. So it's just just a waste of things. And if the Bruins get in on any of this fire sale, just no. <laughs> I've seen so many people saying that they want this guy and that guy and I'd pay this prospect and that prospect. Why why give up a prospect that you've never seen before? Because half of the guys that are talking about giving up these prospects, I guarantee, don't watch Providence Bruins games. Yeah. And don't know how good these players have been playing all season. So. Um, the asking price yeah. is too much. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I, I like McDonough as a player, I do. And understand that he's got to be moved and so on. But still, it's just. I don't want to give up what's going on here and, and and until the Bruins win a Stanley Cup whether it be this year or the next couple of years you're still rebuilding and you're retooling on the fly so yeah. why give up assets like that for I mean I know I, I get the whole address the, the winning thing now but if it doesn't happen you also don't want to give away anything for a damn um, uh, what do you call that I lost it Something for nothing. Yeah, but you don't want to mortgage the future. And it's not even that. McDonald's, McDonald's not really a rental, but he's also not going to be coming for free. Right. He's 28 so, years old, so. He's going to be a contract. Yeah. He, he's a great defenseman. Don't get He's phenomenal defenseman. We'd be lucky yeah. to have him. Um, my just big thought is, if you're looking at this, you are we willing, and, and maybe people, the, what people are saying, if you're the New York Rangers, you're going to ask for McAvoy first. You're going to get told no, but you're still going to ask first for McAvoy. I don't yeah. care what anybody says. That's who you're going to ask for. And then you know who you're going to ask for? You're going to ask for Pasternak. You're going to get told no. Then you're going to you're going to go for some of these high prospects. You're going to ask for Trent Frederick. It would have to be a package of Trent Frederick, um, Jakob Sporl, first-round draft pick, and maybe even Ryan Spooner. That's a lot. Yep. And I've, and, I've even, and you're going to have to dump salary in the summertime at the draft to make this all stick because you're not going to be able to keep him with with the uh, with the salary cap. Yeah, it'd be a tough, very tough call. I was um, listening to Zero Pucks Given. It's a podcast that Ty Anderson and Dale Arnold do. Uh, they do a pretty good program. And uh, Arnold was saying that um, the the Rangers could ask if if there, it was a McDonough deal to Boston, they could easily ask for. Uh, a player like Jake DeBrosco, Danton Heinen, that they probably would want on to go the other way to rebuild that franchise and that fire sale that's going on over there. So I just think the asking price is too much. I'm not I'm not doubting the, the the skill of the player at all. I know McDonough is a good a good defenseman and sound, um, but 
like I said, I just don't. I'm a prospect guy. I want to see these guys make it to the to the NHL, like Rob touched on. You haven't seen any of these guys show their show, showcase their skills. So, I mean, I, I don't want to give up too early. So, I've never understood the whole um, like, oh, I I'd give up this guy who's been a first round pick. He's been in the system for a year. Uh, he might have not had a good start. Let's give him up. No, like these kids are going to take time. And with the team that you've got right now, that's exactly what you have. You've got time for kids to stay down in Providence and learn. The guys who need a bit more time have it. This is the first time ever where you've had like that, that point where you can give guys time, but you can also bring them up and let them play. Like next year, we were saying, um, if, if there's like three players go from the roster right now because of salary cap, then you've got space for three guys who have done well last year in Providence to come up and play. Right. And that's a great thing to have in your system because there's a lot of teams where the rookies aren't going to see ice time the next season. So what's what's in it for them? Like, are they playing to play on the big team next year or are they just playing for the contract like they do? No. So, and look at Austin Sarnik. Not a great season last season. He's done amazing in the AHL this season and he's done really good on his call-up. And I guarantee the Bruins would love to keep him up in the big team right now. But they can't. Yeah. Mind you, I, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I would offer Carlo in a deal for McDonough. You know, and that's a, that's a subject that I, that makes sense to me. That deal makes sense because I'm, yeah, I'm giving a hockey I'm, trade, though. exactly. Thank you. That is a hockey trade because all the other ones are going to hurt us because we're going to have to sign Carlo. So I look at it. Okay, there's that salary cap. I'm not worried about that because I think of McAvoy and and, and uh, Carlo and Heinen for next year, and I'm like, Whoa. not at the end of this season, but at the end of next season, we got to sign these guys. Yeah. So to me, that deal makes sense. But and you giving up, you giving up a younger guy for an older hmm. guy, and you're not. If if Carlo doesn't become what McDonough is, then you have McDonough. But if Carlo does become better than McDonough, you were going to have to pay for him anyway. So it's win-win to do something like that. But I guarantee that they wouldn't look at it that way. I don't think New York look at a shutdown defenseman and go, "Yeah, that's what we need." Because they wouldn't get rid of McDonough otherwise. Yeah, like I was, uh, I, I listened to a podcast uh, this last week, and they were saying that uh, Brandon Carlo is probably what you see from him right now is is capped out on his capabilities. You know, this is what he, the type of player he's going to be for the rest of his career. So I don't believe that he's kind of young, but that is, you know, it's well, an opinion, right? Yeah, I yeah. don't believe that. But I, no. There's there's so many players around the league that have looked like Brandon Carlo in the first two years and become something special. Um, Montreal and, traded Ryan McDougall, and we're all talking about the guy right now. And Montreal know. traded him, right? Yeah, I, I just think there's a lot of guys that have been shut down defensemen early on in the years. Look at Shea Weber, right? Look at Ryan Suter. I mean, there's two guys right there that would known as just being shut down defensemen with a hard shot in the first few years and they became leaders on the teams. So, and if 
in the future you can trade a guy like Karloff or a guy like PK Subban, I'd keep all of it. Right. Yeah, what I what I what I kind of meant was, I mean, he's gonna grow. He's still in his entry level. He's gonna continue to learn. But I I just don't, I don't know if I'm gonna see him get better. So, who knows? I mean, it he plays. He was one of our best defensemen on the ice last night. Yeah, oh, I agree with that. So, here's another, if he's not gonna get better, right? You know, his, his he was he was one of the best on the ice last night. As much as so many fans want to say he wasn't, but he was. So, so, you know, talking about the Colorado Avalanche earlier this season, and everybody's like, you know, Nathan McKinnon and, and Gabriel Landeskog, you know, now people no, want... Matt that, Duchesne. They were offering Matt Duchesne for Carlo. Yeah. Oh, that's not what I was talking about. I was reading something else. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You know, people were going after freaking Landeskog. They wanted him, and they wanted yeah. to give up. Carlo because he's a local kid from from Colorado Springs so you know you didn't want to do that because the fact is that Carlo's a defenseman and you're going after a forward you're not bringing anything back to you know fill that hole that a possible yeah. prospect's going to jump right into and, and you know get the learning curve but now it's okay Carlo is now seems expendable for a, a, a player like McDonough, who was also a defenseman. So, yes, it would work. Both hockey ways. trade would work. I'd always, I would always, I would always promote a hockey trade. Yeah. But I didn't think we needed Gabriel Landeskog, and I still don't think we need him no. um, for his skill set. You know, we've got guys that are a lot cheaper that do the exact same thing. So, well, I don't know. Debrusque. Thank you. I, I think exactly what he does. Debrusque was our best forward last night, bar none. We all know it. He oh, was phenomenal last night. And to be fair, he's been one of the I think he's been the best rookie so far this season, other than McAvoy. Oh, yeah. Mac, to me, McAvoy isn't a rookie. Like, you look at him and he just doesn't look like a rookie. Yeah, he plays they were, so much veteran. Like, they were saying boys. that on um, Hockey Central. He, he just, you look at him and you just don't even realize it. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like he's been in the league for years. Yep. Like, you, you look at it, the way he plays, the calmness in his game. Um, how he is so physical against guys so big, like against adult men. It's just crazy. Like, I didn't think, even seeing him in the playoffs last year, I didn't think we were going to get this. I didn't think it was going to be, he was going to be this good this season. And this being his rookie year, and it can only go up from here, Jesus Christ. Right. That guy's going to be insane. But like you were saying, if you look at a hockey trade for the Bruins right now, it is the only hockey trades that are there are trading a guy like Frank Petrano for something that we need, um, trying to ditch the contract of Bolesky with picks for a depth player that we need. They're the only two hockey trades that I see the Bruins being able to do without causing mass hysteria for doing something wrong because i guarantee if you go out there and get mcdonough you get one side of the fan base going oh you shouldn't have done that that's a bad deal you get one half saying it's a good deal the same for guys like grabner um anyone else on the rangers any like evander kane anyone like that you split the fan base right down the middle i think grabner's a good pickup that, that, that's I what i too. think is going to happen i think that's the type of trade that, that we're going to see and um, that's, that's just my opinion 
that might require just a pick. And I, I, sure. I, I like that. With the way that the prospect pool is, is, is set up right now, giving away a pick for a player like Gravner is not that much of a big deal. And, and to me, McDonough is a trade that usually, a, a hockey trade or a good trade like that, that's a trade that happens at the draft. It's not a trade. When you do something like this at trade deadline, you overpay every time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well said. So um, that's, just, that's just my opinion. If you're going to, if trade deadline has become overpay day, that's what it is every year. Yeah. People overpay. And the thing with Grabner is I guarantee that is a last day deal. Like, that's not going to happen now. It's yeah. going to happen on trade deadline because they're going to ask way too much for him. And it's going to be a panic sell. They're going to realize that they, they're, off, they're on the last hour and they're just going to sell him for something. Because that's what I see the New York Rangers doing with that entire team. They're going to end up panic selling and not realizing that they can do it with most of the players at the draft because a lot of the players still have turn. But... It's I don't think they're going to be trading these guys at, at deadline that they're giving up. If Tampa gives up Sergachev, then, you know, I, I can't see. I just can't see Steve Eisenman. The guy's just not an idiot. Yeah, he's not like that such at all. A good, such a good GM. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it's not going to happen. He's not going. I don't think Sergachev is going anywhere. To have him and Hedman on your team for the next, what, 10 years? Oh. You're not going to give that up, so... Uh, Rangers beat writer Larry Brooks um, wrote an article, I believe, yesterday or this morning that the Bruins are heavily interested in Rick Nash. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just going to say that right now. Good, good player. You know, he does play that power forward style that, you know, might fit in the lineup. And it could, he could fit in any 30 other teams' lineups too. So um, it's just what he's going to want. He's not going to do anything for a year. He's not going to do anything for two years. He wants, at his age, he's 33 years old. He's got 27 points in 55 games. At his age, he's going to want, he's going to want to get paid and, and, and create a nest egg for retirement when it, when it comes due. So I'd say pass. You know, I, I don't care if, I mean, Phone calls, could, of, phone calls could have been made. You can entertain the whole trade scenario talk and so on, but I just don't see it happening with the way the cap structured for the next couple seasons and a lockout. So, yeah, and he's and, one of them players that is kind of heated up as the trade deadlines come in. Yeah, which I hate. I hate going after players like that because and, you guarantee they'll just die right off as soon as they come to you. I.e. Blusky. <clears throat> oh, my rule. My rule about trade deadline. Unless Elliot Friedman or Bob McKenzie says it, or Darren Dreger, yeah, it ain't a rumor yet. Right, right. Well, right. I got, I unless, got unless, unless one of those three says it, I don't even, I don't even entertain it yet. Right. Like, whatever. Keep, keep talking. That's great. <laughs> it's just, it doesn't make sense to me why Rick Nash would be commanding the same sort of salary that Joe Thornton did in San Jose this year. He wouldn't. Are we really saying we're going for it all this year and we're willing to sacrifice the future just to win? I just don't see Sweeney doing that since how he's been how he's built this this hockey club yeah. i can't see him just decide maybe ownership steps in but i just can't see him decide hey you know what i'm gonna give it all up and we're just gonna go for it now and if we don't get it this year we're gonna be in a lot of trouble and, and how about the uh I, I read an article today that Haggerty put out and he says per source the bruins have interest in trading for oilers uh winger patrick maroon 
Uh, he's a Bruins killer. Um, he's got 27 points in 52 games. Now, what would he command? And would you want a player like that on your team? He's probably like a third-round pick kind of guy or a prospect who is NHL-ready. Um, but I, there's a lot of people been saying that um, he's one of them players that it, it's the McDavid effect. But from what I've seen from him, he can play without McDavid, but I still wouldn't want him on my team. Yeah, but my, my concern... Sorry to cut you off, Court. My concern is Gretzky, and that's not Wayne. It's Keith. He knows. Keith, yeah. He knows exactly what the Bruins have in the prospect pool, you know, yeah. more than anybody else in the league. So, I'm just afraid that. I mean, a player like Patty Maroon. He's gritty. He gets to the net. He does all those things that you want him to do. Uh, and he can play with players like McDavid and so on. He, he just—I mean, McDavid makes everybody better. I get that, but I just don't want anything to happen to the prospects just because that you know he's going to command um, not like you know number one, number two kind of things. But you know, I, I don't want to give up on a player because um, of past history on, on how the Bruins drafted while Gretzky was with the team. You know. Yeah, I wouldn't do any deals with Edmonton just no. because Chirelli and Gretzky are there. Like, I wouldn't trust a single thing to do with any trade from them. So The, the only thing I will say about that is possibly, if it is Chirelli, um, maybe he's looking for like a Ryan, Spoo Ryan Spooner type deal. I don't know. Like, while we're talking, what's Maroon's, is he an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year? Is that what this whole deal is? is uh, that yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Um, because I don't see them bringing him back. So are you really willing to, to do a rental? But that's, once again, this is all up to Sweeney. Like if Sweeney wants to do the deal, I guess he can be serviceable because you've already got DeBrusque on that line because he would be that second line guy, right? You'd have him with DeBrusque and Krejci. That's where he'd fit in. Um, he's a younger, I, w I was comparing him to, to Mike Craddy from, from our black and gold there. I said, he's a, he's a, He's a lesser of a player than Lucic in his prime, and I wouldn't even want Lucic. But he is serviceable. Yes, he's a Bruins killer, but he isn't killing anybody this year. That's my only problem. I, I see him how he's not playing well this year, and it kind of scares me. It's has, has, Is he the uh, – what's that guy who used to play for Anaheim? Dick. Dustin Penner. Is that what this guy is? Yeah. That he only yeah. plays well – he only plays well with um, – with uh, Getzlaff and Perry, and then he goes. Edmonton gives him that huge contract, and he's terrible. Yeah, yeah he's, he's getting one point five. He's a UFA at the end of the year, and he's twenty nine years old. Yeah, sure, I'll take him, but I don't want to give up much to get him. Right. But you're gonna. I mean, we talked about you, this. You're gonna have to give a roster player if you're gonna get any forwards. You're gonna yeah, have to because there's to. no room. You have to. So unfortunately, Ryan Spooner is playing amazing, and kind of deserves to stick out with this hockey club, but unfortunately. Excuse me. Unfortunately, he might be the guy at the door because he's worth something now. Yeah. Either either at the deadline on the twenty sixth or draft day. Yeah, but at yeah. draft day he's an RFA, right? He's losing. You're going to get more value for him training him now. Yeah. And and we already know Cassidy didn't like him in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Yeah. The thing is with Spooner, if you traded Spooner for um, 
what was his name, Maroon, sorry. Um, yeah, Patrick, yeah. You, you want something back as well. Like, Spooner for Maroon is not a one-on-one deal with how well Spooner's been playing this year. I 100% agree. Yeah. Uh, if you can fleece them for, like, a second-round pick and him, then yeah. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. I've, it's really going to make a pick. I've seen people saying that, oh, you could get a first-round pick for Ryan Spooner. No, sorry. <laughs> sorry to tell you this, but I, I somehow I doubt it. Like a guy uh, like Edmonton, Edmonton is going to try and trade Mark Letestu, Mike Camilleri. Um, they, got, they got Darnell Nurse's RFA, so he's going to cost money at the end of the year. So they're not trading him. It's just that's what they're going to try and trade. Um, yeah. I'm hearing that uh, they might want to move Luch, too. Oh. <sighs> Well, yeah, who's going who's gonna to take that albatross? Yeah, exactly. no one is taking that contract. Exactly. They, this is Chirelli sticking himself with another bad contract and trying to get it moved. It's not happening. You dug your own grave with that one. Well, when you, when you talked about New Jersey earlier, like, I think it was like Drew Stafford and uh, Jimmy Hayes. Well, Edmonton's that, uh, let's let's pick up ex-Bruins. Yeah. <laughs> Made no sense as soon as he did it. I, I'm sorry, I know a lot of fans love... Love Lucic, and you can all hate me. He was the one guy from day one. I'm like, ah, he's just not going to be good in this day and age in the NHL. He's he's, he's just not fast. Yeah, he's just not fast yeah. enough. I like I liked Lucic his first four years. His last four, not so much. Oh, I, I loved I, his killer instinct. I called like, it. Oh, he's he's, he's phenomenal, phenomenal, but he's like he's skating in cement. He just couldn't keep yeah. up. He couldn't even keep up with a slower player like Krejci. And, and that, but you guy, remember. that guy intentionally slows the game down. <laughs> yeah, and, and Nathan Horton carried him. Yeah, I mean, that line oh, was yeah. absolutely ridiculous. But it was because Nathan Horton, all you had to do was put Leach in front of the net. Yep. And then he'd go out and punch a couple people in the face, and everybody loved him all over again. Yeah. And all I kept thinking about is, like, when they made that trade of the draft, I remember everybody losing their minds over it. And I'm just like, do you people realize? I know David Backus came in after, but that was – that's not the – Marshan money. Everybody was like, "Oh, that's the money he could have went to Luch." Well, no, because they originally thought they were going to keep Louis Erickson around. Yeah. So when they did the math, they chose between Marshan and and Lucic. And Don Sweeney, you're a genius. Yeah. I was so happy when I heard that that swap had happened and what we got back in return. Um, and look at it, Corelli came in that package, didn't he? No, he came with the Martin Jones to San Jose. Yeah, but that's. That's part of the deal. Oh yeah, it, yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because yeah. we so, got we got the we got uh, the L.A. Kings thirteenth pick, and, and Martin, Jones. Martin Jones, and then swap Martin Jones for another first round pick, right? And Sean Corelli, yeah, who is now probably playing just as good as Lucic is. <laughs> so yeah. you swapped Lucic for a player who is. Basically doing as well as he is and two first round picks. And under a million dollars. <laughs> oh my god. Don Sweeney, you are a genius. But, but what are but what all the listeners gotta understand is you know what? Over the next couple of weeks you're gonna hear about everybody's available for everybody and everybody's oh, yeah. scouting oh, yeah. everybody. Well you know what? Everybody is scouting everybody. But it doesn't everyone's mean scouting everyone all year. I, they're they're scouting teams like... that are not gonna make the playoffs. It's just what it is. Yeah, but I don't get how it only comes up at trade deadline that, oh, this Bruins scout's been at this game. Yeah, but he was probably there two months ago as well. Yeah. 
you just it's not trade deadline, so no one needs to know about it until everyone goes berserk over it. I I hate the whole like it's always that one tweet that just spreads like wildfire when someone says, Oh, this scout's at this game and there's eight scouts at this game. Of course right. there is. It's the NHL. I mean, I can go to Sweden and tell you where there's 45 scouts at a game. <laughs> so, no shit. <laughs> yeah. So, a scout being at a game really doesn't mean that much. You know, speaking of tweet, I, I read a tweet, I think, last week or the week before, and it kind of boiled me over a little bit. Um, I don't understand the narrative of everybody asking for the Bruins to trade an asset for a tough guy. An enforcer. I, I don't get it. I mean, if if this Bruins team was getting pushed around to the point that they're losing, like like when they were playing at the beginning of the season, that type of hockey, and if there was, if you were, if you were getting pushed off the puck and, and out beaten along the boards, I could actually see that. But this team is winning. This team is climbing the standings to five points behind Tampa Bay, which is the league leader. I mean, this is not the time to bring in a tough guy that's going to get limited minutes and limited roles. Is it just is it just because the people don't can't get the big bad Bruins mentality out of their heads? And I think it's just everyone likes the good old ages. Yeah, it's no good. matter like like if you're an older guy, you remember the rough and tough of the NHL. And that's kind of what they want back because this is this is what you like older guys would have called uh, European hockey back in the day. Yes, exactly. like what's happening now is European hockey because there's so many Europeans in the game, and I, I just it will go back to the rough and tough one day because they'll realise that that sells more tickets. But right. I, I don't know why <laughs> anyone. Well, it does. It does. I, I, it brings I, in those guys hold on, that hold on. all they it want to see is blood. Rob, it does in the U.S. And I know that is yeah. the, the key demographic, but I'm so sorry. I'd rather go to a hockey game with, with scoring than, you know, I would have hated been at that Bruins game with the trap against Buffalo. Yeah. It would have been terrible. Yeah. And, and talking about tough guys, who did Pittsburgh have? in the last two years, that's a tough guy. They got Ryan Reeves this year, and look at them now. They're barely even making the playoffs. Who have they had in the last two years as a so-called tough guy? What team is beating people up and winning Stanley Cups? Yeah, I don't don't see it. Sidney Crosby's a tough guy. I I, 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 I want listeners to understand this is my point of view, and it's, it's it's not gospel, but I'm sorry. You win on skill and speed nowadays. You're not winning on slow and steady and beating somebody up in the corner, even in the playoffs. The hits in a game are not as many as we think what used to be back in the day. It just doesn't happen anymore. You can't hit what you can't catch. I'm an an older guy, and I remember games from the early 80s and so on. And, yeah, it was all like that. And, of course, I loved it. I was a freaking kid. Who doesn't like a good Donnybrook? But I'm at the age now that I understand that you can't – Fans can't do anything when a league wants to transition in another way. I mean, yeah, you could threaten not to go to the games. Good for you. I mean, that's not going to really do anything. That's like me begging everybody, don't pay taxes. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not going to work. The league wants to go in another direction. I just, I just 
go along with that because why 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 fight it? See, you're not gonna win. Fans never win. So I don't yeah. see the I just don't get the narrative that we need a tough guy again. I like the the idea of four lines of offensive depth because we are skating with teams like Tampa Bay. We're beating teams like Montreal. Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, and the Maple Leafs, and and you know all these good young experienced teams. That, I mean, not, not experienced, but you know they have, they can skate, they can move, and I'm tired of getting out out skated by having one line of 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 just a, like the Merlot line back in the day. You know, I mean that. Was but that's fun. another thing. People live in the past. Like I'm sorry, so yeah. we won in 2011. I, it's awesome. It's it's on the wall in my basement. But you know what? Let's stop comparing to lines back in the day because that team wouldn't be able to keep up with the teams now. It's, they're just so much faster out there. Yes. There's a reason. Last time we were when we lost to Montreal in the playoffs and everybody thought we were supposed to go far that year, Montreal outskated us. We also, P.K. Subban danced around us, but once again outskated us. That's mm-hmm. why we lost because, unfortunately, the, everybody it caught up to them, and they couldn't skate with all these teams as soon as you get the playoffs. The playoffs have become fast. Look at Ottawa last year. They were a game away from making the finals, and all they did was – they were doing the trap, but they were also doing this thing where they'd skate around the defensemen on the back end, and they were out skating into the puck and winning those loose chances. That's exactly. how teams are winning now. The Toronto Maple Leafs have zero defense, and they have a decent goaltender, and all they do is outskate and outscore on teams. That's how they're winning hockey clubs, mm-hmm. hockey games. That's the teams that are winning right now. The teams like LA and all—they're they're doing decent, but they look slow out there. Yeah. You have teams that are not going to make the playoffs this year, like the New York Rangers. Because, you know, they went out last year and got that guy that everybody thought we should go get, Kevin Shattenkirk. It didn't turn out too nice for them. But if you look at those teams, they're slow teams. The New Jersey Devils right now are in a playoff spot, and so are the Carolina Hurricanes. Yep. Come on, people. Exactly. All right, gentlemen, I think that's going to wrap it up for the, the week and the hour. I thank you both. Uh, please stay tuned for uh, my interview with Jeremy Swayman shortly after this and uh, friend Jesse Eminez about his rant about the lack of Bruins coverage on the radio in the city of Boston. Um, please support us by uh, grabbing some merch. Go to blackandgoldhockey.com. Click on the banner, that, and we sell our stuff. We have T-shirts. we got pucks. we got stickers. Uh, close, I know it's probably not the greatest time, but close to getting some sweatshirts, which is pretty and cool. And send, send one to Rob, please, because he lives far away. Yes, yes. Yeah, Rob he can buy it, but someone's just got to pay for the shipping. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's actually snowing outside right now. So uh, you seriously? Wish I had one. Yeah. I'm going to get Thomas on that sweatshirt thing then. That's that's like the first time in a year that it's snowed. That's, so. cra- that's crazy. It's, it's I wish I had your weather. <laughs> no, you, know, you don't. So it's snowed the last snowed the last three days here, and today it's been freezing rain. You don't want this weather. Yeah, yeah but everyone over here loves that weather, and then we get it for like three days, and then it goes. I'm sure if we lived there, we'd hit it. So there you go. That, that, that's the spirit. That's the spirit. Yeah. Uh, thank you, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we're on Apple iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio. All kinds of uh, podcatchers to catch up on. So we thank the support. Um, and that'll do it. You guys have a great week and thank you again. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. 
Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! Hey, everyone's fans, it's Mark. Uh, as promised earlier in the show, um, we have a special guest on the line, and I'm wicked pumped to have this uh, this young man. He is a 2017 uh, draft pick of the Boston Bruins. He's a goaltender that plays at the University of Maine. His name is Jeremy Swayman. Jeremy, thank you so much for the time today. Yeah, no, it's good to be here. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to get... Uh, get to know you a little bit and our listeners have been asking uh reaching out asking for this interview so uh they want to get to know you a little bit more um uh, you grew up in alaska um and obviously you played bantams and midgets and, and high school hockey there is is uh is hockey very popular in alaska yeah it's a, it's a growing thing so uh when i was younger a lot of uh a lot of new names were coming out of Alaska, like the Scott Gomez era, and that, basically that whole age group. Uh, they really made a made a name for Alaska, and I think ever since uh, that age group went through and made a name in the NHL, it's it's only gotten bigger. So it's been really fun to be a part of that. Uh, the the age groups growing up in the Alaska community in the hockey world. So um, you know, I spent as much as long as I could in Alaska until I had to eventually move to Colorado to continue the hockey career when it was getting a little more serious. But no, I mean, they, uh, they have a really great program, really great programs there. Um, you know, coaches there have uh, grown up with and they've helped me, you know, every step of the way that I still keep in contact with. So, um, it's a really good place to, to be. And especially uh, the hockey is growing, uh, big time. I think it's, uh, it's definitely stepped in, uh, stepped in the right direction. Now, unfortunately, I'm sure that you are being so close to the area that you were a big Alaska Aces fan. Correct. Yep. So with that team now defunct and, and I believe their rights went to Portland, Maine. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, what does that do to your community or your area? Uh, it, like, does that take away the drive of some young kids that were really into the hockey and so on or, and, and to have a pro level so close? Yeah, so I mean, uh, I I grew up watching the Aces, and it was our only pro team uh, of any sort, really, in all sports that that was in Alaska. And they had a really good following for a lot of years, and uh, they actually ended up winning the 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 Kelly Cup, I believe, uh, I think uh, 2011 area. And so that was a cool cool thing to be a part of. But no, I mean, uh, they did. They ended up folding, and uh, they went to Portland, Maine, of all places. So kind of in uh, my backyard here now. But, yeah, I mean, it was a big devastation, I think, in Alaska. Uh, they tried to save it as much as they could. And, you know, I grew up with a couple of the owners' sons, actually. We were, in, we were playing hockey together, and so it was tough to see them go. And, um, you know, now I think all we have really is a university playing there. So it was a, it was a change, I know, and uh, Alaska definitely is sad to see them go. Um, all right, so mo- moving on, to, you went to the Sioux Falls Stampede, the United States Hockey League. And and for the listeners that don't know about the USHL, it's it's a developmental league for the NCAA. So, uh, Jeremy, tell me about your time and with the Stampede. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a really really amazing place to be. I mean, I don't I don't think it could have been a better spot. The uh, the atmosphere that 
the uh, the Sioux Falls place held, especially in their rink. The the Denny Sanford Premier Center was top notch. I mean, if you look it up, it's a uh, it's a world class arena, and just being able to play in front of uh, some faithful fans from the Sioux Falls area was really cool. And you know, I I don't think I would be anywhere near where I am now without that development year in the USHL with the Stampede. Yeah, and, and you had some impressive numbers. I mean, 32 games played, uh, 2.90 and a 9.14 save percentage. And, and obviously that got attention of the Bruins uh, scouting staff led by Scott Bradley and, and overseen by uh, Don Sweeney. Um, so there's, now, now it's draft day in 2017 in June. Where were you at, when the fourth round came around and your selection was made? Yeah, it's a pretty cool story. So... Uh, as you may know, the, there's a big time difference between Alaska and the East Coast, so it's four-hour difference. And uh, the the second day of the draft, after the first round, it started pretty early, so it was like 5 a.m. Uh, Alaska time. Oh, ouch! <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, we were sitting around the breakfast table, and you know, barely awake, but also you know, super awake because it was exciting. It was a big day, and you never know what could have happened. And uh, all of a sudden, I, I got a bunch of my phone kind of went crazy, and I uh, got a text saying, hey, congrats, you're a Bruin. And so that was uh, a really surreal moment that I'll definitely never forget. And to be able to spend time with or be able to share with your family was really cool. And no, I mean, it, it was really cool how it all worked out. And I'll never forget it. That's awesome. Uh, uh, growing up, do you have a favorite NHL team? Uh, not really. I mean, obviously, there's nothing uh, too close to Alaska. So it was, it was just kind of watching and kind of following the favorite goalies, actually. So. No, I mean, I was pretty open to all things, but obviously watched the game as much as I could. How about how about your favorite goaltender growing up? Uh, my favorite goaltender growing up uh, is Braden Holpe, I'd say. Good choice. You know, I just, yeah, I love how he plays. I mean, Western really Canada athletic. boy. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, uh, he's a really athletic goalie, and I think I've learned a lot just by watching him, so it's pretty cool. Um, so, look, explain your style. Are you, are you, are you a, I, I've, I've watched you play, but... Um, I just want to get you know tell the listeners, are, are you a, a butterfly? Are you a hybrid? No, I mean I, I like to experiment all kinds of styles, but no, I'd say uh, my my greatest aspects of my game is just uh, the athleticism. Uh, I try to use my skate or my skating as much as I could, as much as I can to stay up, uh, attack plays, and just kind of use my reading ability to uh, to make it simpler on myself instead of getting extended at times. So. Uh, I know my goalie coach here, Alfie Misho, has helped me extraordinarily. Uh, he's got a great reputation, and you know I have nothing but great things to say about him. And so I think without him, uh, you know I haven't, I, I couldn't have learned as much as I could have now. So he's definitely helped me a lot. And uh, no, I think it's an upward slope from here with him. Um, obviously, after your draft uh, in June, uh, I had the uh, the pleasure of of watching you for the four day duration of uh, development camp. And when you got selected, I was, I was kind of, you know, it's a fourth round pick. The late, they didn't, the Bruins didn't have a third round selection, and that's where I thought they would uh, acquire a pick to get a goaltender. But they selected you in the fourth round, which was good. But I really, I started a profile on you, and but really got aggressive on really toning into your attributes at development camp because you honestly blew a lot of people away. Uh, and you were also joined by camp invite Robert McGovern, who was, uh, who's uh, your teammate at UMaine. Uh, and I thought you both did a great job. 
And uh, can you please tell me your experience at, at your first Bruins development camp? Yeah, it was a uh, it was an incredible an incredible week. Um, you know, just being a part of the atmosphere of an NHL team alone is incredible. But you know, being able to to play in that brand new Warrior Ice Arena was really a really special place. And uh, I got accepted with open arms to with all the the Bruins staff and of course the other players there. And it was just a really great environment for developing. I mean, there was a uh, every opportunity to get better, and I tried to soak up as much as I could. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. Nice. Um, and, and working with Bob Asenza, how was that? That was cool. You know, he's got uh, so much experience and just kind of soaking up everything he had to say was uh, was eye opening. And so I definitely I feel like I took a lot of uh, of his little notes to, to heart and I try to use them today as well. And I think it's helped my game go in the right direction. And obviously, speaking of the, uh, the, the right direction, it's a great segue into into your um, University of Maine. Uh, freshman year, and and I've had the pleasure of streaming uh, a lot of your games. I, I live down in Massachusetts, right on the New Hampshire border. So um, the University of Maine, their Twitter account does a fantastic job with uh, letting fans know uh, how to uh, stream the games. So uh, definitely, anybody out there that wants to watch Jeremy, please uh, go to the You Made Twitter account, follow them, and follow everything that they post because it's really good stuff. But uh, 22 games played so far. You got a 12-6 and three record, and an impressive 2.52 goals against, and an even more impressive, a 9.26 save percentage. Um, you're really taking this whole experience um, very well, and uh, it's it's really impressive to watch as a as a as a prospect goaltender. Um, you talked about Alfie Michaud. Uh, I I remember him going way back to when I was a kid, <laughs> yeah. um, but. Has um has another um University of Maine alum, Mike Dunham, uh, been around at all? Oh yeah, yeah. I've met uh, Mike Dunham now probably ten times or so, and he's made it out to several games. Um, just you know, having the connection with uh, Maine was amazing, but even now the connection with the Bruins is is even a bigger thing. So uh, I've he's taught me you know so much as well. I mean, I've tried to soak up everything from a lot of coaches, but hearing it from from really you know high high profile guys like him is uh it means a lot more you know to to you because you know he's been through the process and so i know we've uh we've developed a great relationship and uh it's really really nice seeing him for sure and the last question for you and i'll let you go um i know you didn't get a ton of time um in the world juniors um but being selected and 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 from talking to uh, like Dave Starman and um, some other uh, scouts that that do prospects and stuff like that. One of the reasons why that you got picked is not only for just your talent and your your um, your athleticism, but you've seen a lot of pucks this year, and and you've actually seen a lot more pucks than Wall and uh, and Ottinger. So um, to be ready for this moment and 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 live into that. You know, you were the third goaltender. It' unfortunate, but what can, what did you get out of that experience? Yeah, no, you kind of nailed it on the head. Just to be, just to be a part of that team and, and wearing the USA stuff every day is a is an honor in itself. Um, even with that kind of experience being the third guy, uh, it was still such a learning experience. You know, playing with top end guys that that uh, that were on that team you know the, just the practice alone made it a, a really special time and just being surrounded by 
by guys that all want the same goal is to get that gold medal is uh, it was a really cool environment and I know that you know uh, I made a lot of new friends and it was a really cool experience and just uh, wrapping it up like uh, I will never forget the experience and it was a really really fun time so I'm definitely grateful for that and one more quick thing are you eligible for next year for what world juniors exactly. no i'm not this was my last year eligible yeah oh, was damn i was hoping that you late. might, might get <laughs> yeah. that chance yeah no it was it was cool though to get that that last hurrah and being able to finally put the usa sweater on it was it was really cool awesome jeremy i want to thank you so much for uh and this is your this is our first prospect that we've had on the show so i really appreciate this opportunity Everybody, please follow Jeremy Swayman on Twitter, at Jeremy Swayman. And even better, please follow the University of Maine. Uh, they got some really good things coming up. Um, I'm hoping they, uh, they do some uh, serious recruits over the summer and get a little better and uh, try to get the, uh, to the top of Hockey East. So, Jeremy, thank you again, and we really appreciate it. Likewise. Thank you so much. Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Ben Bishop. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Andy Green. And Ryan Miller were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! Hey, Bruins fans, as mentioned earlier in the show when we first started, um, I'm very pleased to have this gentleman uh, come on the show and, and talk a little bit about how we felt uh, last week. Um, obviously, the Bruins um, don't get a ton of respect in Boston media, and I completely understand that, and it pisses me off to uh, a point of no extreme. But um, my friend Jesse, his name is uh, Jesse Aminez, um, and he is at Jesse Med Science on Twitter, and he writes for the UpsideDownPencil.com. Uh, expressed his feelings about where the Bruins are ranked, and 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 being overshadowed by the other three uh, major sports in, in, in the Boston media. So, uh, Jesse, welcome to the show. First time uh, appearance, and ho- hopefully many more. Uh, thank you, thank you, Mark, for having me. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of what you do at the Upside Down Pencil. You get a lot of good things on your mind and uh, express your opinions very, very neatly. So um, you you tweeted out an audio link, and I listened to it, and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And I wanted to have you on the show about um, about your frustration and, and pretty much a lot of Bruins fans' frustration when it comes to the Boston media. Um, so... I mean, where where do you see the Bruins ranked? <laughs> you know what, Mark? It's uh, I think that Rangers game kind of put it over the edge to me because um, prior to that game, you heard absolutely nothing about this team. You're talking about a Boston Bruins team that's number one in their league. It <laughs> the Super Bowl's over, right? Super Bowl's over. The 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 Celtics they're still trying to find their game. They're you know, in the midst of, you know, the tread deadline, you have spring training coming up and you hear nothing about this team that's pretty much taken over the league over the, two, over the last two and a half months. And after that New York Rangers game, I kind of looked through my Twitter trying to see if I see any tweets coming out from the local radio stations, local anything. There was absolutely nothing. 
and that really got to me. So as you heard, the next morning, I kind of went on my little rant there and kind of just try to put um, the local radios into a microscope and tell myself, all right, so you have this great hockey team, this youthful hockey team that's trying to strive for a cup right now. Nobody was even talking about them before in the same breath of going for a cup. And for us, Bruins fans, hardcore fans, non-Pink Hat fans, to, you know, divulge ourselves into this team and just grow with them. They have tons of youth. They have a great veteran core. Um, you have took a Rask playing out of his mind. You have Patrice Bergeron, who I think, from my perspective, is the best player in the world today. Right now, if you tell me right now who's the best player in the NHL, I tell you it's Patrice Bergeron. But yet we have nothing from a local radio station talking about this team. And from a Boston Bruins fan, it, it becomes very frustrating that you don't hear anything about this team. We start talking about the Super Bowl. We're still talking about spring training. We're talking about everything else but a team who has loyal fans are dying to hear more about and talk about, but we don't hear anything on our local streams. And that's where kind of uh, I, I came about in terms of expressing my feelings about it. Well, um, Jesse, I, I do have the audio of that, um, that, and it wasn't even a rant. It was, that was poetry in motion, my friend. So what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to play that for the listeners right now, and uh, we'll, we'll discuss uh, a little further. Uh, after we listen to the audio. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, guys. Um, I just get, I got to get this off my chest right now because this is definitely frustrating. Um, you know what? The Bruins had a tremendous game last night. They absolutely just crushed the New York Rangers yesterday. Again, showing they are the top team in the NHL. The top team. I don't care the Tampa Bay is up by one point. I don't care about Las Vegas. I don't care about Nashville. You're looking at the most dynamic, complete team in the NHL right now. They're holding a ridiculous record over the last two and a half months. They have the best player in the world playing for this team right now. In Patrice Bergeron. You have a 40-year-old defenseman that's playing out of his mind. And he's playing like he's 30, not 40 this year. You have a rookie defenseman who has Norris, future Norris trophies written all over him. You have dynamic, electrifying rookies on this team contributing on a nightly basis Jake DeBrus, Denton Heinen, Matt Grisling. Go down the line. Go down the line. And you have your veteran core group absolutely playing bonkers right now. David Posternoff, who, by the way, has refined his game during the season. Takes control of the puck. Protects the puck better. Making plays around him better. You got Brad Marchand, who actually leads the league at points per game. Played. You have a starting goaltender in Tuka Rask, who's breaking records left and right. 
who has an unbelievably unbelievable track record right now going on for the last two and a half months or so off. A goaltender, I might add, that people were throwing under the bus back in October. Absolutely under the bus. For me, I thought he just needed to play better. He didn't have his A game. But I knew he was elite. Absolutely elite. Then you have a backup goaltender in Anton Hudobin. You couldn't ask more from this guy. He technically saved the season. Over that two-week stretch where he started, he technically saved the season for the Bruins. You also have a coach in Bruce Cassidy. Who last year, I kept saying to people, Bruce Cassidy is the perfect fit for what Sweeney's vision is for this team moving forward. He's excellent with young guys who can skate, have skill, have a type of personality that want to learn. Bruce was the perfect coach for this team. Had so many people tell me I was wrong. Claude was the guy. Claude brought us the Stanley Cup. Claude is one of the top coaches in the NHL. I am not denying any of that. But was he the right fit for the team? No, I don't think so. So you guys might be wondering why I sound a little pissed off. You know why I sound a little bit pissed off? And this comes back to the tweets last night after the game, which I couldn't agree more with, with a lot of my followers. This team does not get enough publicity in this town. Where is it, Boston? Where is it, New England? How come you're not talking about the hottest team? Not only in sports in New England, but in their league. They are the top team in their league. They are one of the youngest teams in their league. They have one of the best players in the world on their team. And we're not talking about them. No, we're talking about an offensive coordinator who just dished the job. Nope, we're talking about a cornerback who was seen crying during the Super Bowl. We're talking about freaking spring training where catches and pitchers still haven't showed up to Florida yet. We're talking about a guy they haven't even signed yet who's pouting on the sidelines because he wants more freaking money. But yet we're not talking about your hockey team. You know what? I have a conspiracy theory on this. I have a conspiracy theory. You know what I think? I think that 98... Point five the sports hub, which I thought was a voice of fresh air when it came online. They talked hockey. It was great. Every single show talked hockey. They had regular guests on. They talked about the team. Even when they were not that good, they talked about the team. This past year, Don, Don Sweeney, Cam Neely seem to have declined regular appearances on the show. I think that got the Sports Hub management bitter. They're bitter about the fact that they're not getting these interviews from management from the Boston Bruins. So they're saying, you know what? Screw you, Bruins. We're not talking hockey. Are you freaking kidding me? 
Are you absolutely kidding me right now? You're tossing away hardcore hockey fans. And let me tell you, they are the most loyal and truthful hockey fans. We're not bad wagon hockey fans. We are true sports fans. We're not the Boston Celtics fans. We're not the Red Sox fans. We're not even the Patriots fans, which a lot of them are pink hats, by the way. This, it, it is ridiculous to me that this is going on in a region where people bleed sports, especially hockey. And this is just, it angers me that we're not talking hockey. You have the top team in the league, people. A youthful, skillful, fast, entertaining, electrifying, if I have to use the rocks marker, hockey team. It's amazing we're not talking about them. The NHL has taken notice on this team. Canada has taken notice on this hockey team. Scouts, analysts, everybody's taking notice on this team, except your hometown. How pathetic is that? You know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about opening up my own podcast and just talking hockey. Giving the Boston Bruins fan a leeway, a conduit to talk about their hockey team. Because guess what? All local radio stations are not giving you that opportunity. And it pisses me off. And one more thing. When this Boston Bruins team is raising that cup come June, I don't want to see any of our local stations covering them because they don't deserve it. We as fans deserve it. They don't. See you guys later. Your boy Jess, aka the Dominican Pucket. Alright, and that was it. That's that's my boy Jesse in a nutshell. And and what he had to say was absolutely right. Um I just don't think that the Boston media gives as much respect. Now listen, now he here's here's where we differ in opinions. The and not not to you, Jesse, just every, I mean, the possible listeners. This is the difference between content, written content, and audio content. The written content I see on Twitter on a daily basis. There's guys like Tyre and Sid Haggs, um, Kalman. Um, there's, a, there's a whole ton of people I could list off that are constantly producing con- uh, website content. But the audio and what people, what, like, people like myself, when I go to work for 12-hour days, I want to hear more about my favorite sport. I don't have time at work to sit there on my phone and read all these articles. So having audio is important to me. And, and I think that you kind of hit on that big time, in my opinion, on, in your audio about where this team's ranked. And, and it's, just not, it's just not fair, in my opinion, that just because that hockey might be the lowest paid sport, that it should be the lowest um, media attention sport, if you understand what I'm saying. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, to me, being a Dominican is kind of sort of strange because, you know, growing up and, you know, you always talk about, hey, you're going to play baseball, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. But I 
absolutely just gravitated to hockey. And hockey, I think, is the most exciting sport um, it, from start to finish. Um, the Stanley Cup, there's nothing like the playoffs, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's the it's the greatest game on ice. <laughs> I mean, it's it's there's no doubt about that. And I definitely wish that they, it would get a little more attention. And I'm, we're not going to say names of which media outlets are not say, um, saying anything. But, you know, it would be nice that, I mean, in my previous, I don't listen to, I listen to podcasts now because they don't cater. The uh, Boston media stations and radio programs, they don't cater to fans like us. So I have moved my attention to podcasts. And I listen to, I subscribe to probably around 100 podcasts a week to get me through my work day and, and my work week. So I get my fix through them. I do not pay attention to Boston um, radio anymore because they don't cater to people like us. And the, I find it frustrating that, you know, most most people like you and I, we start, a, a, you know, it's a seven to three, seven to four, nine to five job. Well, it it's kind of frustrating when like a lot of these media outlets do their 10 minute Bruins conversation at six o'clock in the morning. And then the rest of it's all Patriots, Red Sox and and Celtics. I, I find that very annoying that they don't speak about it in the, you know, it, it, more regularly. It's just really bad. Absolutely. And I, and I think it, it, it tells you a lot when media outlets from outside the country cover your home team more than your home stations do. That's, it, that's amazing. To me. Here is a perfect, perfect situation. You know Court. Uh, yes. He, he's he's, he's a co-host here. A very smart individual. He lives in Toronto. And the Toronto media are loving what the Bruins are doing. I, I listen to um, Hockey Central at noon with Kiprios and Millard and and McLean, all those guys for the past two weeks, all they have talked about is how well this Bruins team is playing, how well Tuka Rask has, has gotten off his schneid and of the early uh, struggles and to be the best goaltender in the league. Those guys are talking about it. That's the mecca of the hockey world, and they're talking about it. But even in our own backyard, we can't get the a guilty pleasure of, of listening to our favorite sport. It's just, it, I find it asinine to be honest yeah and mark and i don't know if you've been paying attention to the nhl network lately but every time i switch the channel it's bergeron this took arrest that chara this bruins this sweeney this and it's amazing how much focus and attention they're getting nationally but not locally yeah yeah i'm i'm a i'm a believer in the nhl network i'm watching it right now actually i'm not even sure what game is on it looks like some european game but that's one of the three stations that I watch when I'm in the studio, and and yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's it just seems like it's everywhere else. It's like it's like it's like apples on a tree. You could just walk up to one, but when you walk into Boston, it's like, where are they? You know, that <laughs> I can't I can't reach. I can't get one. Can't get. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not going to say that there's absolutely no talk. There is, but they they minimize it to like minutes and not like a half hour hour conversation like they do with other sports like here for instance and i don't mean to go off a little bit but you kind of got me in the mood (laughs) (laughs) but like like uh, that certain number uh station they 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 go to patriots um uh training camp they cover it all week they actually have a mobile studio down there and they cover that whole event 
the Warrior Ice Arena, beautiful facility. Uh, you've been there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Great facility. Great for the fans. It's free. You would think that they'd set up a booth in the media section right there and talk about, you know, the Bruins that are just that are going to start this season. That's the time you want to ramp up the um, the fan base. You want to get these fans excited. You know, if you don't say anything, you're really not going to get paid attention to, and that's why I've I've steered my attention away. So that's yeah, how and, I feel. Yeah, and to your point earlier about you kind of subscribing to a, you know a thousand podcasts a week just to get your kind of fix in for you know Bruins hockey talk. I mean, if you take a moment and look at who I follow on Twitter, it's mostly ninety eight percent just hockey related media stuff. Why? Because I know I'm not getting that stuff locally. I know I cannot turn on the radio and say, oh, I'm getting some Bruins hockey talk today. So I get my fix that way. So I just follow people that do hockey stuff, and I don't care about anything else. Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, my, my all my Twitter followers are, are just hockey-related. and I But I dive into it a little further. I'm not sure if you do, but I do NHL, and I'll go all the way down to, like, midget minor you know, in the in the in Canada and the USHL and the United States and the NAHL and so on, because these kids are, you know, are constantly developing and and working hard towards a goal of being in the NHL. And I want to I want to see this. So, you know, I I'd certainly get my fix. But the, it, it's out there. the 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 attention can be heard. It's just you know, even in our backyard, it's just hard for anybody to have anything positive to say about it. I mean, look at the stretch. I mean, except for last night's game and and the Anaheim game. I mean, this team has been pretty much unstoppable since November twenty sixth, and 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 they still can't get any love. But you know, the the Patriots lose in the Super Bowl, and there's people <laughs> there's people not playing on the sidelines, and then there's crying people here and there. But that gets attention. That that you know, I just think that they really uh, strive to to promote drama. I mean, to be right. honest, you know what I mean? Right. And, and you brought up a good point. And, you know, you're saying that you were following. You get really granular when you're following certain people and, you know, getting into the midst of, like, all the prospect stuff and juniors and all that. And that's a big thing to me because I, a lot of the fans, if you notice on Twitter, and I'm not saying they're not educated, but it's that, you know, word of mouth or that kind of, you know, national or local coverage that your team is not getting. So you're not talking about your local prospects. So a lot of these fans that you see on Twitter um, talking about certain Bruins prospects saying, oh, this guy's a bust. Look at Matt Mars, Matt Barzell in New York and look what he's doing. And, oh, Sinitian stinks. The Burl stinks. You know, JFK stinks. And it's like I look at that and I don't try to really lash out with the fan because it's not really technically their fault. You know, it's not their job to sit on a computer 24-7 and – you know, look up every single profile, these prospects up. It's kind of the media's job to, to guide the fan towards that information as well. And that's how I feel. Oh, I totally agree. And when you talk about prospects, I mean, what the NH, what the Boston media really does is they, is they try to, in their own, you know, small way, is to give you the information about the top club. They don't, they don't, they don't dive deep into getting the, the, you know, the, the news about the stars of tomorrow today that, you know, and that's, and I take pride in that. I mean, I, I write for the Boston, I, um, I write for the black and gold hockey blog and 
I, I know I write a couple articles a week and I, and I gravitate more towards prospect because people reach out to me and say, Hey, what do you think about this kid? Exactly. And I, and I give them my opinion because I, I, I have six freaking TV screens in my studio and I, and I watch a ton of hockey and I record a lot, you know, I can only, I focus my, my attention on one screen, but the rest of them are, are recording. So if there's something that jumps out, I can go back and like dive in. It's kind of like what Bruins Network does. Anthony does a fantastic job right, right. With, with his breakdowns and so on. So, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not putting it out there on Twitter like he is. And I, I more or less, it's just for my eyes, what I see and evaluate. So, and if I can't see a player, I'm not going to report on them. I'm not going to be one of those guys that goes on to um, EliteProspects.com, which is a fantastic website for information, Yep. and and just say that, oh, Sinishin's only got three goals this year. I know he's got more than that, but, you know, and, and then base an evaluation off of his production in his first year as a pro. I mean, that's kind of stupid. Yeah, it is, and that's the most common theme there. People look at player stats, and they say, well, this player's not development, and I kept explaining to people on Twitter, and I bet you've kind of caught my tweets on, especially on submission. Oh, this kid has been out for a few games. He's playing on the fourth line. Well, you go back in the beginning of the training camp and you hear Sweeney and you hear those guys talk. It's like they have a plan for these kids. They know that, you know, Zachary Zanishin can score. They know that about him already. They're working on the intangibles, the variables, the small details of the game, and how that's going to promote him to be a player in the NHL for the Bruins. Yeah, absolutely. And, and now that you touched on Zanishin, Sedition was a fourth-line player in his first year with the Sioux Greyhounds. He got 26 goals as a fourth-line player and then moved up to a bigger role because the team had so much depth. And, uh, you know, he gets on the second line, and what does he do? He scores 40-plus goals. And then the top line, he scores another 40-plus season. So don't – I mean, people basing where he plays on what line is is just – don't do it. I mean, you can't properly, you cannot properly evaluate a player from where he is and where he's playing. The 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 Providence Bruins uh, have so much depth right now that that is physically where he is being placed. You want to take it up with anybody? Talk to um. Oh, I don't remember his name anymore. Jay Leach. Talk to the coach. He's the guy that does it all. You can't just go on a website and just say that he sucks because he's not. He's playing on the fourth line. It's just ridiculous. Right. So, but getting back to the lack of uh, of, of Bruins news in Boston, I, I just I really want this to be better. I mean, to, I I tweeted out and it was a snark tweet. I'll I'll admit that I was a bit of an ass, but I said that you know once the Super Bowl was over that Monday morning, I'm like, well. It's officially uh, brewing season, you know, and we've already been through, you know, a couple months, you know, into the 2017-18 year. It's funny you say that, Mark, because right after that tweet, I kind of saw your tweet, but I was already typing mine, and I don't know if you saw mine, but I kind of said something that alluded to uh, tongue-in-cheek, right? (laughs) And I said, and I said, Oh, I was very happy to wake up this morning because the Super Bowl is over. But then I immediately reminded myself that it's spring training, so we're screwed either way. <laughs> yeah, I did see that one. <laughs> you got we had about ten minutes of a happy medium. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, so it's just it's just got to get better. And it, if you look back, and I know you were around, and I know you you were up in the uh, in the northeastern uh, part of Massachusetts. 
you know, the the hype for the 2011 team and what they did in that spring, or I'm sorry, the summer of um, uh, June 15th, exactly. It just seemed like all summer, that's all the team talked about. So, I mean, is it is it fair that Boston media will jump on a lot more news if they win a cup? I mean, is that is that the, our only saving grace is if they have a championship year every year, we get to hear more about the team and less about others? Right, and I... And you know what? It's not like these team, uh, these radio stations don't have access to these teams. I mean, they have access, and like you know, I'm not going to mention the radio stations here, but it, it seems like you know when they're not getting the personnel they kind of feel they want to get on 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 a regular basis. I feel like there's a type of bitterness there. I might be completely wrong here, Mark, but it kind of feels that way. It's too much of a coincidence not to be that. You know, you're all of a sudden you don't have the GM on, you don't have the president on on a regular basis, and all of a sudden, you cut down on Bruins hockey talk. Yep. And, and, you know, I just think that's too much a coincidence not to be the case. But, again, I could be completely wrong on that. Now, I I could uh, – I don't know how to say this, but it's, it's strictly a rumor, and I'm not one for rumors, but there's one certain radio station in this – in Boston that I guess I heard um, Don Sweeney and Cam Neely – have have neglected to ever go back on they won't go back on this particular radio program because of the way i'm not sure if it's the lack of the the, the bruins talk i just think that when they're on they get treated like crap and and certain questions are not the right ones in these guys eyes and even even cam cam swore i remember this not not long ago i think it was last year the year before that cam blurted out the F word. He was so aggravated with a certain someone. And, and I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yep, and, and that's, and that's where I'm kind of alluding to about the whole, you, you know, it's like that's, there's a bitterness there because they're not coming on their show anymore. Yeah. So, and it, it, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, it, regardless of, of how you feel about a certain somebody, you, you're there for the fans. You're there for ratings. You're not there for, you know, popularity and, and, and a pissing match between, uh, two sides. You're there for other people besides yourselves. Exactly. And I understand, Mark, if there's drama surrounding the team and there's turmoil and, you know, you're le- you're the, I don't know, the Oilers of, you know, four years ago, whatever, or, you know, the Colorado Avalanche of three years ago, that your franchise is in complete, like, dismantling mode and you want to get answers and, you know, you want to get a little bit smirky with, with, with the – with the management team, I get those questions. I get it. But when your team is doing great, you have young stars, you're doing this, you're doing that, to ask those type of questions that kind of irk them the wrong way instead of getting good information from them so you can transpose those to the fans, uh, I think that's where the mistake is. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jesse, um, uh, please give Jesse a follow at, at Jesse M-E-D Science. And uh, read his stuff. He's uh, at UpsideDownPencil.com. Uh, he's a good writer. Um, has a lot of good things to say. Um, definitely a solid follow. And, and you know, even though I, I call him, <laughs> what, what did I call you, Captain Tongue-in-Cheek? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yep. But, uh, no, you know, he's a good follow and a great guy. And I really appreciate your time today and, um, and, and what you said. I mean, you, you, you really voiced out. Uh, an opinion that caught my attention, and I definitely wanted to talk about it on today's show. So I really appreciate the time, 
Um, also, congratulations on the new house. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mark. It's, uh, we're still settling in. Uh, like I said, I haven't even unpacked my PC. I'm actually using my, my work laptop uh, to get this going. So uh, thank you so much. No, yeah, that's good, man. I'm very happy for you and your family. Um, uh, Southern New Hampshire is a beautiful place, so I love it. All right, dude. Um, I will talk to you soon. It will definitely have you back on. I'm, I'm, you know, you got good audio. So anybody that's good, good, good audio, I will always welcome back. <laughs> Not a problem, Mark. Thanks for having me. Buddy. All right. Take care. Yep. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at Black and Gold 277, at Court Lalonde, and at Rob Forty Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.